Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 61 of A Day in the Life. As always, I am super pumped for this episode, but this one in particular, because today we have an incredible guest who is the author of Degree or Not Degree. He's going to share his story of how he went from the welfare line to obtaining his PhD. We talk about self-awareness, how to find your passion, and much, much more. But before I speak too much, Dr. Martinez, why don't you say what's up to the audience? Buenos dias, buenas tardes a todos. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're just rocking, man. I'm glad to be here. I really am. I'm excited about the opportunity. Always excited to speak on the topic. And thank you for having me. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, to the listener who might not know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit about your background um, and about yourself, actually? Sure thing. So... Uh, Dr. Elsebio Martinez, I was born out in uh, Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. I've actually only been in California four years. Um, I have my doctorate in educational leadership, so it's a PhD. I went to Columbia University for my master's and uh, Stony Brook University for my bachelor's. So I went straight through. I drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but living out in uh, the central coast of California, Paso Robles, and I've been in education for 12 years now. I started out as a high school counselor, which has really served as the basis for my book and everything that I'm speaking about. And now I'm an administrator, uh, and I've done everything from transitional kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, so vast experience and just really, really enjoying it out here in the new wine country. And <laughs> You know, just having a good time. It's a long way from Brooklyn. What got you or what pushed you to get your PhD in the first place? Sure, sure thing. So I was a counselor for about six years and working with those students there, I was working with a lot of the English learners, students that were coming from other countries. Some of them truthfully were undocumented and realizing that they were stuck after graduation you know, they're only allowed to have a diploma. After that, it's up to them. And the politics in the country doesn't allow them to go to college unless they're doing it some fancy old way or pay out of pocket or things like that, because they don't get financial aid. So over the years, I realized that was just rough. I mean, I had students asking me, why would my parents do this to me? I mean, it's just a huge conversation. There's a lot that goes on. So I was really burdened for that and really felt like there's, there's got to be something about this that can be done. And despite everything with DACA and everything going on around the country with the undocumented students, I found something else. And I realized that after going through uh, school, I realized that the college, traditional college route wasn't for everyone. So by then I had my master's and eventually I got my PhD because I just wanted to impact students on a larger scale. I didn't imagine writing a book or speaking or anything like that that I'm looking to do now, but I just wanted to impact more students than just the few that I would see um, that were on my caseload or whatever it is. So I just, I went to do that. It was never a goal of mine, but I did it. And, and yes, I'll be Dr. Martinez anytime someone asks. <laughs> Like I was saying before we started recording, you worked for that, man. I would, I would definitely, I would definitely tack on the doctor anytime. Um, so I kind of want to go back into something real quick. I don't know too much about 
you know, the laws around education or anything like that. How is it that these students were able to get, uh, able to get a diploma, but then it's then difficult for them to go to college? I don't understand that. Sure. So when the Constitution was written, um, students were, they had the ability to have a compulsory education and that went through 12th grade. So the law says that any, anybody, and what it is, is that you have to do for others the same way you would do for citizens. And the idea is that the students have that through high school, through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, they don't because college obviously is voluntary. You go on your own if you choose to do that. But they don't have the rights that we as citizens do to apply for financial aid or, well, quite frankly, a lot of different rights that we have. So they're stuck. Here's a student who has, and in some cases, these are students that come when they're six months old or, you know, their mom was like pregnant with them or something like that. Well, Mm -hmm. they would be citizens in that case. But my point is that all they know is the U.S. All they know is America. They're Mm -hmm. from another place and they might know the language or whatever it is, but all they know is the U.S. I mean, and all of a sudden they're on this trajectory to go to school and do what they need to do. And some of them are like really super bright students. And then they hit a brick wall because they graduate and they realize, holy hell, what am I going to do now? And that's kind of part of what spurned on the book and this movement where I feel this is not just about the undocumented students, but they comprise a huge population for which this book applies. So the law will say that they are able to have all the way through 12th grade as a requirement, you know, and, but beyond that, yeah, that's where the question comes. Are your, are your parents immigrants? No, uh, we, I'm Puerto Rican. So mm-hmm. by virtue of that, I am a citizen. Gotcha. So regardless. I know my dad was born out there. My mother was born in New York. Um, but regardless, we're not immigrants in, in that regard. Uh, we are citizens. So, I don't have, I don't know the struggle intimately in terms of personal experience, uh, mm-hmm. except that I, I listen, I listen and I hear those stories and it's kind of amazing to hear some of these students that, you know, they could do crazy things if they continue on their path, but they're going to hit that roadblock. And thankfully the laws have shifted a little bit, but there's just turmoil regarding that. And now we're on this kind of seesaw. It's in, it's not, it's in, it's not. And, and, that's just not good. So, you know, the reason I asked that too is because I've you you, obvi- you obviously went on to get your PhD. You mentioned earlier that you drank the Kool Aid. However, um, you know, my parents are inter- immigrants, and I've noticed in, in those cultures, it's it's pushed like really hard. You have to go to college. That's why we came here. That type of thing, and that was kind of pushed on me as well mm-hmm. um, to kind of figure out my career that way. Is that something that you faced growing up with your parents as well? In a sense, yeah. I mean, I grew up. I grew up on welfare. We we were on the cheese line and and doing all those things, getting those checks, and um, myself and two siblings at the time. And you know, college was the only way. You know, growing up in the hood in Brooklyn, it was just the only way out. That or or sports, and we didn't really know anybody who was of that caliber. And and we know the numbers about athletes and how many actually make it. Yeah. So college was the only way. I was, a, I was a good student. I was a good kid. I didn't really get into any kind of stuff, although I had those options. Um, my dad was addicted to heroin and all this kind of crazy stuff. I mean, yeah. So I've seen quite a bit. For me, 
education was going to be the way out mm. and it served me well. But I just, again, I drank the Kool-Aid of saying I have to keep going. I have to get this degree. It's also a sense of pride. It's a sense of pride for families to say my, my child was able to do this. My child was able to do that. And in the end, though, my mom would say she's proud of all of us. And two of us have gone to college and one hasn't. Mm-hmm. He's, he's part of the, uh, the inspiration for what I do as well. Yeah. Who, who gave you the Kool-Aid in the first place? You know, I'll be honest. There was, there was a girl I was feeling in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that. <laughs> and she, she, uh, she was talking about the school she was applying to. And, and I said, all right, I heard that. And I just kept going. And I don't even know that she ever made it to that school. And, and I did. Um, what was interesting, though, the irony of all this And what made me want to become a guidance counselor in the first place, and back then there were guidance counselors, now there are school counselors, but was that my school counselor said, don't bother applying because you're never going to make it. And yeah, I know, me too. And I'm like, but the numbers match. I have everything I need. I don't understand. And I went ahead and applied behind her back anyway. And I've always wanted to show her that degree, like just as a a point to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then same thing in undergrad, just uh, inspired to go to graduate school. And, and people were like, Columbia, are you, are you nuts? Like, why would you do that? And I wish I can show them that degree as well. So it's, it's, it is an honor. It's a lot of work. And I'm happy that I, that I went that path. But I learned a whole lot. And it's part of what I want to do. And I think it gives me that unique perspective as well as someone who actually has gone what I say, the educational mountaintop and yeah. uh, drank that Kool-Aid all the way to being hung over with six figures of student loan debt, Daddy-O. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> the, the struggle is real. For sure. I mean, you were obviously, I mean, look, I had no clue uh, before we got on this that you, you know, your dad was addicted to heroin and that you, sure. you know, had to be on food stamps or welfare or whatever it might be. Right. I mean, those are some major challenges in itself and growing up in Brooklyn, what was that early nineties, eighties? Yeah. Eighties and nineties. So it's gotten nicer over time, but back then it wasn't easy to grow up around there. I don't think. No, it wasn't. And like I said, my, my block literally was split in half, which there was a quiet side of the block. And then the, the, the other side of the block was where all the activity I'll say that, yeah. All the extracurriculars were happening. And and my apartment building was right in the middle. So that's why I say I had a choice. I could have either gone one way or the other. My mom was a really big um, reason for, for me going the path I did. She had to work three jobs just to make ends meet because my dad, whatever money he was making, was going to his extracurriculars. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm really indebted to her. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know she's she's happier the decisions I made and proud of me, but I'm just thankful that she, all of us, the three of us, we went down a, the right path and and uh, we, we benefited from it. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a multitude of questions that I want to ask you, uh, but one of them is, what do you think, I mean, obviously your mom was very hardworking. Uh, you know, I know nothing about your family or anything like that, so I don't want to say anything about your dad, but your mom was very obviously hardworking can you now looking back, can you pinpoint some of those things other than just walking her or watching her work hard that really made you want to like come through for your family? Yeah. Well, my dad, when he was at the methadone clinic and I'm just going to be real, I know this is unfiltered, so I'm all about that. 
my dad would be in the methadone clinic and he'd have a bottle that he'd have to piss in to, to test. And basically, mm-hmm. so it was clean. So the moments when I realized that he was asking me to piss in his bottle for him so he can come up clean because he was still using on the side. Um, he used to drive a truck and he'd make his little pit stop, the same pit stop he made every single time. There was no delivery over there. It was more of a pickup. And it was, you know, that aluminum piece of paper and, and that smell that I, I, I'll never forget. So living that and living through that and seeing the abuse, he was also physically abusive to my mom. It was just enough. I was like, I, I can't do that. When I was 16, uh, I actually stood up to him. And uh, I, I thought the man was going to have a heart attack because I jumped on top of him, held him down and said, you're not going to touch my mother again. Um, and I'm not a little guy, so I think I scared the hell out of him. Um, but we immediately we packed up whatever we could. We moved to Queens with my uncle for a little while before moving out to Staten Island with um, another one of our uncles. And basically half my life, the first half of my life was in Brooklyn. The second half of my life was in Staten Island before moving out to California. It was just a culmination of all the BS that I saw growing up and realizing there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than this. And there's got to be a way out. And mom was always just pushing the education piece, stay in school. And it just kind of all played in my head, Mm. in my head. And I hated those moments when I had to hold my siblings and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. When all the screaming was in the background and all that. So it was a sobering time but I realized that I, I had to do it. And even yeah. going off and living on campus was a struggle because I, I desperately, like most 17 year olds wanted to get the hell out of the house, right. And be on yeah. my own. And so I did that and realized that my younger siblings, they were crying and they were sad about it, but I felt like I had to do something for me having been the oldest. I am the oldest and, and being really the, the um, witness to most of what was going on. So there's a lot. There's a lot. But we all learn from it. We all grew from it. And I would say we're all successful in our own way. Yeah, man. Uh, so <laughs> for the listener, uh, none of these questions were planned, really. <laughs> and a lot of these are just coming out of my own curiosity. I mean, yeah. we could end the show right now and just be like, you know what? That was inspiring by itself. Good night. Have a good one. Um, but the show must go on. The show must go on. What are you doing now? So right now, I'm actually... Um, I'm an administrator at a dual immersion school. And what a dual immersion school is here in California and it's spreading out around the country is where the kids learn English and in our case, Spanish at the same time. So they graduate knowing both languages, which is really awesome. It's a really unique idea. The first week I was in there, I was hooked because I had a first grade student, blonde hair, blue eyes. You wouldn't expect anything like this. And they're rattling off to me in Spanish. And it was just like, this is amazing. (laughs) So in California, we had bilingual education brought back. There was a time when it was completely taken out by Proposition uh, 227, and now it's back. So there's this boom of these bilingual programs, which I think is a gift. You know, there, there are those who feel like, well, you're in this country, speak English. And I'm like, yeah, they're learning English, too. So <laughs> we're not just focusing on one language, but everyone knows we're a global economy. We're a global society and having another language is is key i mean it helps a lot i'm sure you see it as well mm-hmm. uh, and what you do so it's a gift it's a gift and it's just real neat to see those kids doing that um and also i create the content i create the content for degree or not degree um going on in, in various ways social media 
and just really pouring my heart out there for what I see and what I understand in terms of the real college process and what I expect a 17 year old to know versus what they don't. And, and that's a key to the understanding of why I do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I watched a couple of your videos and I agree with everything that you're saying on there. It's funny because there's a lot of things that, you know, there was one about change, like change happens in a moment and things like that. Right. Um, and then I believe there was another one on decisions too. And it reminds me of a lot of the things that I used to read or continue to read, whether it be Tony Robbins or uh, Jim Rohn or anything like that. A lot of people think that stuff is hokey. However, it sounds as if those mindsets have actually changed and shaped your life. You've actually seen it work. And from the short time that we've been talking today, it's very clear that it has. What do you have to say about those types of mindsets for, uh, for either the people that you're working with now or just anybody that might be listening today? It's everything. You know, we, we preach an educational growth mindset, which is kind of what's going on nowadays, but that's a long standing idea. It's not, and you mentioned Tony Robbins. I love hearing Tony Robbins. He makes the analogy of, it's not about positive thinking saying you go to your lawn and say, there's no weeds. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that it's the idea of there are the weeds. We've got to go in and pull them out. And I, I internalize a lot of that. I just, I see the good in, in everyone and try to think, what can I pull out from this person that's going to benefit them and our world. You know, no one's perfect. Everyone, we have our own stuff, but everyone I feel is a genius in some way. Every single person. I believe in those multiple intelligences. I know some people that they know their math, they know their science. I know kids that couldn't tell you anything about math, but if you give them a car part, they will perform magic. I mean, they'll soup up a vacuum and make it fly. It's just crazy what some of these kids can do. Or you give them an instrument and you give them a paintbrush. Or sometimes they have the gift of gap. Like they could sell water to a whale. It's crazy. You know, they can't tell you about history or politics, but, you know, they'll sell you, they'll sell you whatever because they just have that. Or mm-hmm. the technology skills. Nowadays, we see so many more that have the technolo- technology skills or anything else. And a lot of those skills are things that you don't need to go so many years of college to obtain. And you can make some serious money doing that. Um, and that's kind of the appeal and part of the drive of what I'm saying in, in the book and in my videos. Yeah. Um, can you talk about self-awareness a little bit? I know I didn't include this in the email that I sent before you, but I personally believe that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of being able to find your genius to kind of go off what you were saying is the ability to be self-aware. I don't think that it necessarily comes naturally to people, but um, what would you have to say about that? I would 100% agree. It's a constant, constant battle. And it's part of the reason that I struggle with how we speak to the high school students, because we're expecting them to know themselves when we as adults don't even know ourselves what 17 year old is going to know what they want in life or what they want to do. There's a very, very, very small percentage that have a plan and they stick to it and they go through life changes, shifts Mm -hmm. happen. Our minds change, our priorities change. I mean, you could find somebody and all of a sudden your life changes overnight or you get into an accident or something else. So having that self-awareness is key Mm -hmm. because it's only when those things happen that, more of you will start to come out. 
You know, they say, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, if you want to see the measure of a man is when he has pressure or responsibility or something. Basically, when you're up against it, you know, when it hits the fan is when you start to see more of who you actually are. So the more you can get ahead of that and have that self-awareness and understanding of, all right, this is how I am. This is how I roll. When those things happen, your response won't be a surprise. Yeah. I still myself, I, I have things happen and I'm just like, why the hell do I keep doing this to myself? Like, why am I in this again? And I realized that I have to just not just be self-aware, but accept it and either decide that this is how that part of me is going to be or make the shifts necessary to, to change it. Yeah. How, how would you suggest somebody start practicing self-awareness? Cause I think that there is a, there's a fine line between self-awareness and delusional. <laughs> so, how, like somebody's sitting here and they're like, well, how do I figure out what I'm actually good at? Like, that's a question I get a lot. Um, and I haven't been able to answer it other than like, just keep trying shit until it works out. Right. Um, but what do you think? And sometimes I have to say that's, that's what it is. Sometimes you do have to check out what it, what all these different things before you see what you're good at. And sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, you know, Colonel Rogers was in his sixties when he started the whole KFC thing. Right. And it's yeah. just like, are you like really sixties? Yeah. Because he just kept going at it. So I would say, listen, you know, ask people. And the thing is that it, they're not necessarily going to tell you the type of career that you're going to go, that you're going to be good for, because it's difficult for anybody to just pin that on somebody. It's more about what are they saying about you? Are you a person who communicates well? Do you have artistic talent? Are you smart? Do you have a leadership? Those are the types of things that I think as time goes on, people will notice about you. But you have to listen to that and really think, okay, so I have this skill. What can I do with it? And the bottom line is in the first chapter of the book, I talk about passion. And I ask the question, what would you do for the rest of your life if you knew you wouldn't get paid for it? Mm. And that, to me, starts to open up the doors of what passion is. You know, some people, they, they play video games all day. And we look at it as this horrible thing. I look at it as an opportunity. Could you go into software development? Could you go and be... Um, something else in that industry. Yeah. You, know, you have somebody who, and this one was revealed to me recently, which is great. A person who's artistic, but also wants to be in medicine, helping people. They don't want to be a doctor. Well, I found out there's something called a surgical artist. They literally, no, no kidding. Like they go into, <laughs> go into the surgeries and as the surgeries are performed, they're drawing what they're seeing because that helps the doctors understand, I guess, for the future or whatever, they can go back and say, okay, this is here, this is here, whatever. And it just blew my mind because I'm like, wow, this is a combination of passions that a person could have. And there's a career for it. You know, I have to tell you, students in kindergarten right now are being prepared for jobs that have yet to be created. Right. And a lot of it is technology. I think technology is obviously the wave of the future. But really just listen, know thyself, be honest about what you'd like to do. And seek the opinions of a lot of different people because while it might seem confusing, over time, you'll start to hear commonalities and things that come forward and things that you yourself agree with. And then you can start leaning in that direction. But do not think it's always going to happen in your first 17 years. Mm. And do not think that when you jump into a career, that's it for the rest of your life. Things change. And I know for you, you know, <laughs> 
your nursing background, right? Yeah. You know that's going to happen. So that's a perfect, yeah, it's a perfect example right there. Yeah. Um, what about, you know, another thing that people tend to ask is how do I find my passion? And that's such a crazy question to me. Um, like how, how does somebody find their passion? And do you think that, you know, what if they're passionate about one thing, but they're not any good at it and that self-awareness really fucks with them? Sorry for my language, but like, that's the only thing. Try different shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really the bottom line. Um, it's not easy. You know, some, some folks have natural skills, whether they're artistic or whatever it is, and some things happen over time. Some things they don't realize until they're adults because they don't have exposure to that like when they're young. You know, business is not something you think of as a child. But are you the kid who sold lemonade like a boss, you know, over the summer or whatever? Or were you hustling, you know, Pokemon cards or whatever yeah. it is, you know? You hear like Gary V was doing his baseball cards and all that kind of stuff. And now look where he is. Right. So some people, you can see those things moving forward. But honestly, it goes back to that question of what would you do the rest of your life if if you didn't get paid for it? People stop when they hear that question and they actually think and they ponder it. And that to me is the beginning of it. Mm. Beginning of it, the beginning of that self-awareness, the beginning of that discovery is to really ask a question that goes deep, that's introspective and says, wow, you know, I never thought of it that way. Because we don't. We think about what's going to make me the most money, what's going to give me the best benefits, or what's going to get me out of, this, out of the hood or whatever it is, or what's going to help me pay my student loans, right? <clears throat> but we don't think necessarily about what's going to make me happy every single day. And, you know, there's a quote, um, it says, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's... That's true. That's true. And and it takes time. It takes time. You have to be willing to be reflective consistently and just keep going at those things. And I mean, I know people that have six, seven part-time jobs right now trying to figure out what it is. It's real. It's like, how do you, when do you sleep or whatever? But that's their way of figuring out what they love to do. So yeah, so be it. Absolutely. So let's talk about the book a little bit. To the listener, if you didn't catch it in the beginning, uh, Dr. Martinez is also the author of Degree or Not Degree. Uh, What inspired this book? To the listener that might want to pick it up, what can they expect to find in it? Sure. So yeah, Degree or Not Degree, Five Ways to Know of Colleges for You. I, I decided to put all of this stuff that was in my head on paper. All the years that I saw these undocumented students or students in general who didn't want to go the four year route, I had students that earned GEDs that were going into cosmetology or they wanted to be an electrician and the kid was getting 40 bucks an hour at like 19 years old. And that's, that's good, right? It's good even today. And realizing that there's, there's a need for that. So when I moved to California, I started out in elementary school. And when I went to a middle school, I started to really realize that this has to be done pretty early. We have to start exposing the students to, different aspects of careers and options and all of those things moving forward. Being out in the central coast, agriculture is a huge thing. I did not realize out here in California, it's huge. I mean, they grow, agriculture is just huge. Mm-hmm. So I could be sitting next to a guy who's on a, who's wearing flannel and some boots looking like he just came from work and he's a millionaire because the industry is so big and it's like, it's amazing. So those opportunities are there. My daughter, 
she was in a, involved in a program in high school called FFA, Future Farmers of America. She, I thought, was going to go the college route. She's a smart girl. And we just kept asking those questions. Even though I knew in the back of my mind, I didn't necessarily believe it's for everybody. But it's like, hey, but that's my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she went into this class, agricultural mechanics, and she learned how to weld. And that's when I saw it. For me, I go for the light bulb. The light bulb went off. I saw that glimmer in her eye that she wanted to do this the rest of her life. And I was like, that's what you're going to do. Um, she's welded some amazing things. And she's she wants to be an underwater welder because she used to swim in high school. I mean, right. she's going to help me pay off my student loans, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but but the idea is that she's an example of that. My My wife is a realtor. And in the last three months of 2017, brought home more money than I did. And I have a PhD, right? And it's just like, I started to think these are perfect examples. And the book was written, uh, I released it last uh, November, but all those examples came to me and just examples like my brother, who I mentioned before, tried college for a semester. It didn't work out. He went into radio because that's what he really wanted to do. He's running a top 40 station in Cincinnati now, one of the biggest markets in the country. He's not even 30. So it's, it's amazing when you have that motivation to do it. And I said, I have to put this in a book. I have to write a book because I want students and families to start the conversation. It's not a long book. I wrote it with students in mind. I know that attention span is not that great. So I wrote something that was very succinct and to the point, but really had some of those big driving points that I believe in, things that you have to consider, like your passion, like time. How much time do you want to devote to your schooling after high school? Because if you want to be a doctor, right? Because you always hear doctor, lawyer, right? All those glamour jobs. Those take a lot of time. You're talking eight years, 12 years. Kids don't want to spend that kind of time anymore. Um, so you have to consider that. And money, you have to consider money. One and a half trillion dollars of student loan debt. Is, it's, we're almost there. The average student's coming out with about 40 to 50 grand of debt. And that's not saying they even graduated. So there's a lot there. And and also growth. If you start out, you're 18 years old, you go into a program that's a year or two. Now you're 20 years old with this credential, this certificate, this license or whatever, and you can start making money. By the time five, six years goes out and that graduate, that kid that went to get their master's and everything goes, you have five or six years of experience you're going to make more. You're going to be more valuable because you had on-the-job training and everything else. Meanwhile, this other student that has the debt and the degree, they're still going to start out at the bottom. And, and that's really, that's the reality of it. It's, it's, I know that people push universities and all that. I think more of anything than because of pride, but that's not the reality. The landscape is changing and we need to be loud about it we need to be honest about it we really need to expose that and say there are options and we can't expect a 17 year old to know exactly what's down the road for them but we can help them figure it out by providing those options so the book is really about just starting the conversation giving them some facts giving them some things to think about so that when they go to their schools they can say hey what about this what about that and they can make a more informed decision so to to the 17 year old or the 18 year old about to graduate high school is probably reading this book. I'm sure you have, uh, you know, an older demographic as well, but 
the majority is probably around there, right? Like what we, how would you suggest that they even start to talk about this to their parents who might, I, I mean, that's a pretty loaded question, I'm assuming, but they might be like, my dad's going to kill me if I tell him I'm not, I don't want to go to college. I know that my dad got really upset with me when I said that. Absolutely. It's probably the biggest challenge a student is going to have. And really what it comes down to is be informed. I think if they turn around and they take some of the statistics that are in the book or some of the things they can find out themselves about the industry that they want to go into, if it's a tech industry, what is it that's going on right now that makes you excited about it? I think your parents have to know that you are genuinely excited about this. And it's not about, I don't want to go four more years of school. I don't want to, I don't know what I want to do. I hate the idea. That's, you're not going to get any kind of buy-in that way. That's just not going to work. What's going to work is to have them see just how passionate you are about this area. If it's something like a course that you see online and say, you know what, I want to go into business. I want to learn whatever this is, that is. You have to kind of show them that this is real and that you're willing to do this and that, and this is why. What are the results? What are you seeking to do? What have you done already that maybe you can show them, hey, remember when I did this? This is just like that. Remember how excited I was? That's going to get them to really see, wow, there's, there's some passion behind this. There's something. And I think if you keep doing that, they will eventually start to see that. And in the end, honestly, it's your choice. I mean, I'm just being real about it. Once you're 18 and everything, they could say what they want. And I've had unfortunate situations where a kid will tell me they're not going to pay for my schooling if I don't go to be a nurse or a doctor. And the kid wanted to be a, a gra- um, graphic designer or something like that. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're a citizen and you can apply for financial aid, I'm not, I don't condone taking out loans, but maybe you got to hustle and get some scholarships or grants or something. But End of the day, you're an adult. It's your name on the paycheck. It's your name that's on everything. And when you wake up every morning, you want to make sure you're not living a life that your parents want. You want to live your own life. So it does get emotional. It does get, it's tough. It's rough. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think the more that they see that passion, the more that they see that you really do want it and be relentless about it. Too many times a kid will say something, it gets shot down and then you never hear about it again. And then the parent feels validated because they're like, oh, see, they weren't real about it because they didn't even stay with it. Like they expect a kid that young to know about perseverance. A lot of times that comes with age and with trial and error and all those types of things. So that's how I would approach it. And parents, this message is for you. You guys need to be open-minded. The landscape is changing. The thing about education is changing and you're going to see less and less of these higher advanced degrees. There are careers that still need that. But you're going to see a lot more of these vocational and trade programs coming through and kids making some serious money. There are people that can get an A-plus certification. It's a tech certification. It's a six-month program. They can make six figures. I'm not kidding. Like, it's, it's crazy what you can do. And it's not always about working for Google or any of those other companies. If you get a tech, you know, license or something like that, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And people are willing to look for it and they have that passion. They're going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, to the parent that might be listening as well, uh, there are some stats out there that Twitch stars, if you're not familiar with Twitch, it's basically live streaming their video games, uh, them playing video games. They're making like $50,000 a month in sponsorships. (laughs) It is ridiculous. So 
Um, Mom, if you listen to this, you should have let me play Goldeneye a little bit longer when I was a kid. <laughs> Goldeneye was the shit. <laughs> Goldeneye was the shit. And instead, <laughs> no fault to my mom, but like she, she really pushed me to play basketball. And I thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. Didn't realize I was going to stop growing in eighth grade. So that never worked out. <laughs> Should have focused on the video games. <laughs> um, uh, Dr. Martinez, you mentioned a couple times uh, that you're uh, about, you mentioned your student uh, student loan debt a couple times now. Um, so I have a couple questions there. One, um, do you need your doctorate to be doing what you're doing right now? And then secondly, would you have changed anything? Great questions and questions I ask myself continuously. The first one's easy. No, I don't need a, I don't need a doctor to do what it is that I'm doing. A master's degree would be sufficient. Mm. In fact, most educators pay basically a master's degree would cover it. I think long-term as you get to higher positions and you move forward, then it becomes a little more relevant as if I become a superintendent, for example, and I'm not saying that's a goal, but perhaps then, yeah, they look a little bit better at a PhD than they would someone maybe with a, just a master's. Um, I say just a master's. I mean, that's incredible. too. Yeah. But no, I don't. For what I'm doing, I don't. And obviously, I have, I, I have other plans in the future. But I can tell you that I've not done anything right now where the degree has benefited me. I think mm-hmm. it, I can understand some of the exposure, maybe some of the authority that it garners because it's like, oh, this guy must know something. He's a doctor, which I mean, I guess, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, I don't have to. And would I change anything? One of the seminal moments for me was when I had a conversation with my dad and, and he has since cleaned up his act, thankfully, and, okay. and he's... I want to say, you know, well recovered, which is great. But I, I did have a conversation with him. I said, you know, looking back, I, I may have considered going into a trade or a vocation if, if, if I had it another way, only because I, the student loan debt is crippling. Mm-hmm. I could buy a house with the debt that I have. I'm just going to say that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And every month I say the same damn thing. <laughs> um, so really it's, it's just a matter of that growth. And now I have to tell you, having a PhD, you think that you put that d- degree in front of doors and it just opens sesame, right? It's just like, you have this PhD, everyone's going to love you. And I, I, I even drank the Kool-Aid at my program. They said, you never believe the doors that open with this degree. And I'm just like, I bought into it because I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. It doesn't work that way. I, I'm going to tell you, and one of, my, one of the articles I have on my website is hard work is what gets you anything you need. I've had to work harder now after the PhD than I did any time before it. If I want to get the book out there, if I want to speak, if I want to do anything like that, if I want to do well at my job, I have to work my ass off. I have to try to figure out what the angles are, what I need to do, how to benefit people. This is not something where you just lay back and say, man, I've reached the mountaintop. I'm good. I'm done. Now the world's going to come to me. The world's going to bow to me. It's bullshit. It's yeah. pure, pure bullshit because you're going to have to work harder. And it's just like anyone. It's like anyone. You have to work hard. Once you get in there, you got to work hard. It's a survival of the fittest and you got to be good. Would you say you're passionate about education? hundred percent. That's cool. 
hundred percent. I am. I mean, seeing, like I said, seeing those light bulbs go off and seeing those kids grow and, and learn it's, it's exciting. It really is exciting. But education for me is also about not just about reading and writing and math. It's also about self-awareness, like you mentioned, and coming into your own and realizing what you want to do. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, if everyone can experience that, that'd be the one thing that I would have everybody experience is to realize you are doing what you were made to do. There's, there's nothing like that. And I really, I'm still striving to get to that point, honestly. Um, but I feel like I'm on my way there because anytime I have a chance to talk about this, I can go on and on because it's just a passion of mine. Yeah, that's excellent. I can definitely tell, man. And I have so much respect for everything that you do, that you're doing, uh, what you've been through. And it's also incredible to hear from somebody that has as much education as you have, has been, you know, has done it all. And is saying, you don't need to do it, you know? Yeah, it's really, honestly, it's one of my biggest selling points, but also it's the biggest reality check that I think I offer is mm-hmm. most of the time you'll hear things from folks, your Steve Jobs, your Mark Zuckerbergs, who went their route, but never went to college, never finished it. And now they are who they are. That's fantastic. I mean, it's a very small fraction, but very much, much smaller fraction of people who actually have gone through and done that and are telling people don't drink the Kool-Aid. If you're going to go in, make an informed decision. I'm not against education. I, I clearly I'm not, I got a PhD, but, and in the same vein, I wouldn't, like I told you when we were preparing for this, I wouldn't go to a doctor who didn't go to med school, right? right. I'm sick. I wouldn't go to court with someone who didn't pass a bar exam. And I don't want my kids in front of a teacher who didn't go to school for that. So there are professions where that is necessary, but it's a small, small fraction. So many more of the careers out there are skill-based and you really need to build those up. But I just, yeah, I have a passion for that. And I just, I just keep going, you know, because it's, it's important to me for students to learn about their options and to have that self-awareness and make the best informed decision. Because when you realize you're doing what you're made for and what you love to do, I don't think there's any replacement for that. Yeah, man. I love that. Um, how many kids do you have now? So there are four kids. Um, oh, wow. The, yeah, the youngest is 18. She's the one I was talking about before who mm-hmm. went into welding. Uh, I inherited them through marriage. They're oh, cool. Through marriage, so I'm a stepdad. But, you know, my case with, uh, with two girls especially, they, you know, I've t- taken them to me and said they're, they're, they're my girls. And then there's a couple grandbabies as well. So it's a, it's a family, it's a growing family and you know, it's different. It's different. Obviously this is something that you're trying to instill in your kids to remember as well, that they don't have to deal with that pressure. Right. hundred percent. I mean, I had to learn it through helping my daughter in high school and it was interesting because I would tell her, Hey, I was a high school counselor for so many years in New York and everything else. And it's different when it's your own kid, man. (laughs) It really is. Um, But she helped me to realize that she helped me to really cement it because when I saw that light bulb go off, like I mentioned before, it was magic. And I said, that's what you need to do. And we've been, we've been driving that and pushing that horse ever since. And it's just amazing because when she felt that validation that she wanted to do that, a lot of other things started to happen. Her mind opened up. Like she started thinking more entrepreneurially even and saying, I want to weld for a little bit 
And then I want to have a business. I want to open a business so that if I decide to have kids, I don't have to deal with those fumes and all that stuff on a regular basis. I mean, she was thinking at that level, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. If I could think like that at 18, I'd be in a much different spot. (laughs) Exactly. And she was, I wonder, she might've been 16 or 17 even. But the, the point is that when she realized what she wanted to do, it's almost like her, it allowed her mind to start really processing and going through that. And that's the special thing about discovering your passion is that everything starts to become about that. So you start to develop and say, okay, what are the angles? Who, I, who do I need to learn from? And who do I need to talk to? And who do I need to connect with? Because this is what I'm going after. And it, doesn't, it never feels like work because you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a special thing. We always want people to learn it earlier and sooner than later. But the goal is to try to figure that out. Can we talk a little bit about what if somebody wants to change their passion or change their career trajectory? I think this is something that people struggle with. I know that you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but, you know, for like I thought I wanted to be a professional basketball player, rock star, nurse, flight nurse, whatever, and now I'm nowhere near any of that stuff. I feel okay with it. I think that a lot of people, especially even in in my age range and my friends, they're thinking about a career change and they're terrified about it. What would you have to say about that? I I understand that. I understand that completely. Um, But you really, if you can't stop thinking about it, if you can't stop, just your mind doesn't get away from it. You have to go and do that. But I will say, prepare yourself. So don't, you know, so, so many times you hear these stories about people just jumped in, they had like $5 and a ball of lint in their pocket and all that stuff. And that's rare. I think it, more realistically, it's give yourself a plan. But what you do is when you give yourself a plan, you set a date to it and you really start to work towards that. I think when you schedule it, and I think even Tony Robbins said something like that, mm-hmm. when you set a date to it, it becomes real. And, and that's what it is. You start pushing that deadline on yourself and saying, okay, this is when I'm out. This is when I'm done. And you have to, you know, you plan towards that. If you can't get this out of your head and you feel like it's a huge passion of yours and you know that you can still handle your business and do what you need to do and take care of your family and all that kind of stuff, do it, do it. Yeah. And we only have so many years, you know, here on earth and, and we need to make them good. I don't, to feel bitter and resentful, it's just an awful, awful idea. Um, but it's something that it's not easy because especially if you've invested a lot of time and effort and energy and, you know, if I decided I didn't want to be in education anymore, I'm looking at it and saying, wait, I, I'm still going to be paying these loans for a couple of decades. Like, am I really serious about this? It would have to be something pretty serious. But again, if I can't, if everything about me is leaning towards that, how could you ignore that? Yeah. How could you ignore that? Sometimes you do just have to plan for the leap and just take it. Yeah. It's a crazy one, man. You've given us so much. Um, you've given us so much value today to the listener and to myself. Actually, your story is incredible. What you're doing is incredible. Um, but we do like to wrap the episode with uh, with a bit of advice from the guest to the listener. What is one thing that you would definitely like to leave the listeners with today? Be open to just about everything. Your passion is going to be somewhere in there. You can't deny yourself what it is that you enjoy. When you have a passion, it's something that takes every part of you and it just leaves an impression on you like nothing else. You feel it deep within yourself and everything about you is all about that thing. And when you discover that, 
you start to discover what it is that you want to do with your life and start making the plans. I'm telling you, ask questions. You would not believe the types of careers that are out there. There are careers you don't even know about. There are opportunities and people who can open doors for you that you don't even know about. You really have to ask questions and be informed. And that's the best way that you're going to, to, to get that to happen. So absolutely just inform yourself. And now in an angel technology, it's so much easier to do that. Um, but do that and continue listening to this podcast because it's, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So it'd be helpful to you. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, where can, uh, where can we find your book? So book is on Amazon. It's degree or not degree five ways to know if college is for you. It's on Amazon. It's on, uh, both print and digital versions. If you get the print version, you can download the digital version for free. Um, so I have that going on there and online drmartinez.net. So it's dr martinez with a z.net. And through that, you can get to the YouTube channel and all of those things. All of my descriptions have all of my other handles and everything. I have way too many accounts. It's crazy, but I really just want to reach out to people and let them know about this, just this path and saying, we need to be serious about this. We need to be open about this and really get on this journey together. Because even though there was a time where the college degree was really everything, it's no longer the case. And we need to be real about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, for the listener too, if you got this far in the episode, I will be giving away five of these books for free. So be sure to DM me on Instagram at Mick, M-I-Q-K. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love a five-star review. If you didn't like the episode that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Dr. Martinez back on the show. Thank you again, Dr. Martinez. Absolutely. If you didn't like the episode, listen to it again. (laughs) listen to it again get get another listen on there and then uh make your opinion Uh, that i'm going to probably save that for every segment going out i love it thank you you so much absolutely